It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 183. Uh, I think last week I promised that I was going to do a special on transgender, but I've had to put that on hold because I've just been reading Helen Joyce's book on trans and uh, there's a lot more I want to put into that. So uh, we're going back to the normal practice. I'm on holiday, but if you like, in between holidays, we've had a week in Tasmania and are just going up to a place called Woiwoi, which uh, wonderfully was where Spike Milligan used to live. But uh, let's begin with this song. That's Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Uh, Meatloaf died this week. Um, it's, you know, always sad when somebody dies. That album is one of the best-selling albums ever, Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Lots of people know it, recognise it. Uh, but he, to be honest, he didn't do much else. And his story, his life story, is a particularly sad one. The lyrics, like a bat out of hell, I'll be gone when the morning comes. But when the day is done and the sun goes down and the moonlight shining through, then like a sinner before the gates of heaven, I'll come crawling on back to you. And of course, there are lines, if I'm going to be damned, I've got to be damned and so on. I just find it really, really sad. It's a little bit desperate, a little bit shallow. It's a little bit kind of we're on a highway to hell, ACDC type stuff. Um... Great music, confused lyrics. But, you know, in some ways, it's a, a little bit, it's an appropriate theme tune for uh, this week's COVID because we're looking at the hell that humanity is creating on Earth. Okay, uh, I'm going to go back now. Because I'm recording this on Tuesday and it doesn't go out till Friday, the world is moving so quickly. Who knows what will have happened? Will Russia have invaded Ukraine? Will there be a new variant of COVID? Will there be uh, another crisis, another bomb, another disaster, another tsunami? Who knows? But as regards COVID, I'm going to go back to the COVID special and thank you again for all those who gave feedback to that. Now, just to stress how crazy this 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 world is, I was in a church on Sunday where you're required to wear masks by state law, and yet the church had um, stated that if you didn't want to wear a mask, you know, we had to be tolerant of one another, and they'd left it up to the individuals to decide that. 
Now, the crazy thing about that, as always, is with masks in restaurants, you wear the mask, you get on a plane, you queue up socially distance, you get on a plane, you wear a mask, except when you're eating and drinking, because, of course, COVID doesn't spread when you're eating and drinking. Um, we have socially distancing, except when you're on a plane, because they, they've got to fit as many people in as they can, and so on. But one aspect of COVID that we, we looked at is the modelling. And that's become starkly true, if you like. Well, it was true anyway, but how unreliable it is. So SAGE in the United Kingdom predicted that deaths would hit anything from 600 to 6,000 a day. The latter figure, of course, was the one that the headline makers took. But on Saturday, there were 262 deaths reported in England. And there are a large proportion of those who died from other causes, but also happened to have COVID. Hospitalizations were to peak between three to 10,000 a day. But on Saturday, there were 1,698 hospital admissions. The number of COVID patients in intensive care has fallen to a six-month low. The London School of Tropical Medicine, who's a very reliable source, they said that by the 22nd of January, COVID beds occupied would be between 45,000 and 70,000 on their low escape scenario, far above last winter's peak. In the higher escape, it would be 80,000 to 120,000. The reality is that they peaked at 17,120 and have been falling ever since. Now, these kind of claims are made all the time. The Scottish Health Secretary, Humza Yousaf, in June 2021, stated there were 10 young children aged 0 to 9 years old who were hospitalised because of COVID. He's the health secretary who should know. It was completely false. It was, uh, and it was the government itself who ended up apologising for that, and the government watchdog, the OSR, who said it was wrong. And then here's another one. How many COVID deaths do you think have been in the UK? 153,000? That's what you'll be told. Well, according to the Office of National Statistics, there are 17,371 people who have died because of COVID with no underlying causes. Now, that 17,371 is a tragic figure. But remember that 650,000 people die each year in the UK. You know, we, we use figures and governments use figures to instill fear into people. And we see that happening in Western Australia, where the Premier Mark McGowan announced that because of, I think, 24 cases, they were locking down again, they weren't going to open up their borders, etc., etc., etc. And I actually looked on the Western Australia tweet line, if you like, and there were people who were actually tweeting in, can you believe this? Please, Mark, keep us safe. Please, Mark, lock us down again. Please, Mark, we don't want to die. Well, I'm sorry. When Mark McGowan goes, look at the number of deaths, he's not talking about deaths from cancer. He's not talking about deaths from dementia. He's not talking about deaths from road accidents. There are 170,000 people who die in Australia every year but we're just focused on this one group. And that leads to an extraordinary distortion in human values. So this from the Labour Party, a tweet going out, uh, and it's about Boris Johnson. I remember 20th May 2020 vividly. This is real. This is not made up. It's a nurse saying, I spent hours on the phone to a man who was in the hospital car park 
utterly desperate to see his wife. He begged, wept, shouted to be let in, but we said no, for the greater good of everyone else. She died unexpectedly and alone, as the government had a party. Just take that in. Here's a nurse justifying, justifying that absolute abject cruelty. It's for the greater good of everyone else. No, it wasn't. It wasn't for the greater good. That man seeing his wife would not have caused suffering or harm to anyone else. But that's what happens when you start believing in the system and going along with the system. Now, it's no wonder that Boris Johnson is in a lot of trouble and uh, he made the rules and if he's broken them, he probably should go. We've mentioned that already. But there was this fascinating interview in all of this with one of his key MPs, uh, a man called Steve Baker, who's a Christian. Now, listen to this bit he did with Nick Robinson. I'm a passionate person, but I, I, I genuinely believe that people are driven by instinct, by reason and also by emotion. And there's a brilliant book written by C.S. Lewis called The Abolition of Man, which makes this point. And in particular, Lewis argues that by taking out of the, our existence as individuals, the emotional grounding, the centre, which is the passion that we feel, the love that we have for one another, taking that out of life and philosophy and practical politics, that actually we were heading down the road to the abolition of the much that we held dear. It's a brilliant book that Lewis wrote, and I love it. So I'm not ashamed to say that I feel my obligation to my constituents very keenly. When I drive around Wickham and see those hills and all those houses laid out, when I remember that the food banks become an industrial operation, when I think about what, I, what now are, I believe, ineluctable consequences of the policies we've had and the suffering that there is going to be as a result, I feel that burden keenly. And I, but, it's, I don't, but I'm not ashamed about it, and neither am I of some kind of emotional wreck. You know, I go through my life like everybody else with highs and lows and all the rest of it, but I do feel that it's essential that members of parliament take seriously their duty. We're trying to construct a better society here, one which is happy, prosperous and free. You know, people have got about five questions they need to answer. Imagine you wake up on a desert island. Am I safe? Who am I? Who cares? What shall I do? And how will I find joy? And we should have good answers in our life to all those things. I love the fact that he's quoting C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man. That really is just is wonderful. But notice those five questions. Am I safe? Who am I? Who cares? What shall I do? And where can I find joy? Well, I think these are absolutely crucial questions. What does safety mean? Safe from what? Who am I? Who am I as a human being? Who cares? What shall I do? And where can I find joy? The answers to these questions are ultimately only found in Jesus Christ. All right, let's uh, move on to this. We mentioned, uh, again, this is a little bit, well, it is tied in with COVID. It's the Australian Tennis Open, which is ongoing just now. And here's just a little uh, smattering of an incident that occurred at that. Okay, so the Peng Shui banner, that's the Peng Shui banner, right? So it's being confiscated by the Ethan management because it's too political? Yeah, okay. Is there a reason why, like... No, look, no? There's, there's nothing else I can comment on this. Condition of entry entry to the whole venue. Yep. Uh, you're not supposed to bring any political statements into the building, okay? Yes. And, yes. So free playing shui is political to, according to Tennis Australia. Now, you may not have been able to hear all of that, but it's very simply a couple of spectators who had Where is Peng Shui t-shirts. 
and they had a banner. And the t-shirts and the banner were confiscated. Now, Peng Shui is a Chinese star, tennis star, who accused a member of the Chinese Communist Party of sexual abuse. And she disappeared for a while. She's been back on uh, video and so on. But there are grave concerns for her safety. Now, why are the Melbourne Tennis, why are the Australian Tennis Association banning people from asking where a woman who's been sexually abused or alleges that she's been sexually abused, asking where she is? Now, the security told the pair that shirts and banners are not permitted because they are political statements and that the security guards have been instructed to confiscate these. Why? You see, Tennis Australia make political statements. Yesterday, I received a, a tweet from them which just simply stated that they were celebrating uh, Tennis Australia Pride Day. Well, that's a political statement. Why? The spokesperson says, under our ticket conditions of entry, we don't allow clothing, banners or signs that are commercial or political. But they do. And the reason behind this, of course, is just sheer money. They don't want to upset uh, the Chinese. As I say, we live in a world that's going to the dogs in that regard. The hypocrisy is breathtaking. All right, uh, I don't think I've done this country's national anthem yet, so here we go. Here's a version of it that was done on this country's equivalent of The Voice. One nation bound in freedom, peace and unity, O God of creation, direct our noble cause and guide our leaders right. Help our youth the truth to know, in love and honesty to grow, and living just and true, great lofty heights attain, to build a nation where peace and justice shall reign. That is actually the nation of Nigeria. Three Christians were killed and two wounded in an ambush, ambush at 9.30pm on January the 10th in the predominantly Christian Tayana village. A 27-year-old man, a 25-year-old man, a 22-year-old man, and uh, a couple of others sustained severe injuries. Last year, over 4,500 Christians were killed in Nigeria. A country where peace and justice reign. We pray that for Nigeria. It's a wonderful country. And, you know, we pray for our African brothers and sisters. But isn't it interesting? You know, Australia Tennis have a Pride Day. If there was a country in the world where four or five homosexuals were being killed, there would be uproar and outrage and memorial days and so on at the tennis and everywhere else. But four and a half thousand Christians being killed in Nigeria. Do black lives matter if they're black Christians in Africa? That's a question for our society to try and work out. All right. Um, 
again, uh, as I say, when I'm recording this, I don't know what's going to happen. There's a great deal of talk about Russia invading Ukraine. It could be that this is a very, very clever maneuver by Putin to try and motivate the West. Joe Biden did a disastrous thing by basically saying, well, if you invade part of it, it'll be okay. Uh, uh, honestly, I, I, it, it is inconceivable how Joe Biden is president. It's astonishing. That America is governed by somebody who just doesn't seem to know or seems to have lost his capability. But Putin is running the show on this one, and I suspect he could invade. Now, here is just a beautiful song from Ukraine. I found this description of, of that song and a number of others on a Ukrainian site. The Ukrainian song is the soul of Ukrainian people. From ancient times, our ancestors have invested in them their joy and desire, their courage and love to the motherland. This is our folk memory, which is written in poetic lines. It will forever stay a valuable cultural treasure of the Ukrainian people. Well, the U.S. have ordered the relatives of its embassy staff to leave and uh, have warned Americans not to travel to Russia or Ukraine. I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the weeks to come. Then one of the other things as we continue to look at trends in our society, I find this story just astonishing in so many ways. Amy Gallagher is a mental health nurse from South London. She spent more than £20,000 training to become a psychotherapist on a course run by the prestigious Portman Clinic in North London, part of the Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust. In other words, this is a government body. But now she's going to court because she's accusing the Trust of religious and racial discrimination against her as a white Christian. She says that... The senior members of the Tavistock Trust threatened her with suspension from her final year of the clinical qualification and suggested her career as a psychotherapist could be at risk. Well, why? Because she objected to being asked to watch lectures saying that white people are unconsciously racist, that Christianity is a racist religion and that the Bible can be blamed for racism because it contrasts darkness and light. Now, I've been in black majority churches where people talk about darkness and light. Is the Bible racist? It's interesting they don't say that the Quran is racist. It, this is, again, just indicative of where so many people are in our culture, and on, on a culture that's basically eating itself. And here's another example of this. Listen to this lady from Finland. The whole process started uh, in June 2019. I was shocked when I heard that my church decided to support the Helsinki Pride event. 
And uh, at that time, many of my friends wanted uh, to resign church for that because they found that there was a strong contradiction between Bible and the church's decision. And I was also thinking, what should I do now? <laughs> should I resign my church or what should I do? And in fact, I was praying and I became convinced that it is not my time to leave the church, but try to wake up those who are sleeping. Because I was worried uh, that when there is such a contradiction between the Bible and what the church had decided, it will break down the people's trust upon the Bible. And it would be very dangerous if the Christians do not anymore trust on the Bible. I took a photo from the Bible and posted it in a Twitter and asked the leadership of my church that how is it possible <laughs> that what Bible calls sin and shame you are now supporting as a pride. And after that, some citizen made a complaint to police and police started to investigate that. And then after that, there were many other criminal complaints that some citizens made about uh, a booklet that was written much earlier, 2004, and some radio and TV programs where I was talking about these issues. That is a beautiful lady, actually, uh, Pavi, who is a Finnish MP. She is being taken to court at this moment. Why? Because a number of years ago, she voiced her support for the biblical views on marriage and sexuality. And 17 years ago, she authored a church pamphlet on it. Um, she questioned whether her church should be sponsoring the LGBT Pride 2019 event and cited Romans chapter 1. She's now, it's not just gone to court, she could face two years in jail for doing that. It, it is unbelievable that this is happening in a European country. Now, to say that this is hate speech, well, we'll come on to more of what that means in a moment. But again, this is a story that we're going to, because if a European politician goes to jail for quoting the Bible, we have moved further down the bis. The bad out of hell, we're becoming that. Now, another man we've often cited is Jordan Peterson. Um, he has just resigned, and in a very emotional video, uh, a very moving video, he explains why. He's resigned his tenured professorship from his Canadian university. Uh, that's a major, major deal. That's a big, big deal. Um, and he's done so. He explains why, not least because, um, because of what he calls diversity. Diversity... Uh, inclusion and so on what he calls die his students are are being excluded and banned well here he is telling the extraordinary tale uh, of Putin commenting and we've mentioned this before but th this is his version of it of Putin commenting on what's happening in the West now had happened in Russia before 
Putin continues, This, I believe, should call to mind some of what we are witnessing now. Looking at what is happening in a number of Western countries, we are amazed to see domestic practices, which we fortunately have left, I hope, in the distant past. The fight for equality and against discrimination has turned into aggressive dogmatism bordering on absurdity when the works of the great authors of the past, such as Shakespeare, are no longer taught at schools or universities because their ideas are believed to be backward. The classics are declared backward and ignorant of the importance of gender and race. In Hollywood, memos are distributed about proper storytelling and how many characters of what color or gender should be in a movie. This is even worse than the agitprop department of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. End of Putin's comments. This from the head of the former totalitarian enterprise against whom we fought a five decades long cold war, risking the entire planet in a very real manner. This from the head of a country riven in a literally genocidal manner by ideas that Putin himself attributes to the progressives in the West, to the generally accepting audience of his once burned, once, twice shy listeners. And all of you going along with the die activists, whatever your reasons, this is on you. Professors cowering cravenly in pretense and silence, teaching your students to dissimulate and lie, to get along as the walls crumble for shame. It is brilliant. The whole video is brilliant. I'll put a link to it. But notice, they're changing the notion of human morality, the destruction of religion and family, the aggressive dogmatism bordering on absurdity, professors and academics lying. Yeah. That is where we're at in the academic world, in much of the West, particularly in the elitist universities. And then where we're at in the church. Listen, just, just a bit of this from Jane Ozan. Now, this is from the Unbelievable program. Uh, it ended up being over an hour-long program with Peter Linus, who did an absolutely marvellous job. But this is Jane explaining her situation. This is ultimately about protecting the vulnerable and, 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 and particularly LGBT young people and old people from harm. And until the Evangelical Alliance recognised that harm, which Peter still hasn't done in churches today, he's talked about historic abuse, but he doesn't recognise that his current teaching causes many young and old LGBT people to consider taking their lives. And until that is acknowledged and dealt with, until the recognition that they are not showing a gospel of love to LGBT people, but discriminating against them, I think we will continue to have this sort of bumping up against each other. I, I think ultimately as Christians, what we need to do is to show compassion, love and protection for those in our care. And when we refuse to hear the voices of those crying out to us for help, then God will have something very, I think, harsh to say to us. But that's one for conscience. Ultimately, Now, Jane Ozan, I've written about her before, is uh, ex-evangelical. And during the course of this discussion, she was abusive, interrupting, patronising, trying to teach Peter Linus what the law was, which I thought was hilarious, given that he's a barrister in the law. But she uses this all the time. Harmful, harmful. What is harmful? Now, again, I'm writing a review of this uh, and we'll go into more detail and answering these kinds of questions. And again, I'll put a link. By the time this goes out, that article should be up. 
But here's what I want to say is this. It's who determines what harmful is. So Jane basically says that the Finnish MP who teaches what the Bible says, I teach what the Bible said, we are we are being harmful and therefore we should be subject to prosecution. But here's the problem. I think that what Jane teaches is harmful. I think it fits very well in the criteria of Matthew 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Or let me look up Revelation chapter 2, which I think is extremely appropriate in this. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. That's where Jane Ozan is at. That's where Peter Linus is at. We're not talking here about two different versions of Christianity. We're talking about Christianity and we're talking about that which masquerades as Christianity but is false. Okay, we've got all these issues I think that will be ongoing, but I'm going to come back to the question asked by Steve Baker, asked by C.S. Lewis, answered by C.S. Lewis in his Surprise by Joy, Where Will I Find Joy? Will you find joy in the midst of all this, in Ukraine, in COVID, in hypocrisy, in persecution, in, you know, killing of, of black African Christians? Where can we find joy in this world? We find it in Christ. And so I'm going to leave you with this beautiful song. What a friend we have in Jesus. And it's from my old church, St. Peter's. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Jesus has all our sins and griefs to bear. If you're a Christian, remember that. If you are not a Christian, you need to come to know him so that he can carry your sins and burdens. I'm burdened very much by much of what I've just spoken of. But I leave it with the Lord because Jesus carries all my sins and griefs. So, see you next week and I'll be back from holiday. And uh, any comments, feel free to pass them on. You want to support uh, the We Flee? podcast then go to the podbean fundraiser god bless you and have a great week bye